But we are talking about generations. And by the way, I'm Pastor Rob, one of the preaching pastors and one of the pastors on staff. Good to be with you guys this morning. And if you're watching us online, good morning. Have your coffee there. Good to have you with us as well. We are talking about our generations and the generations that make this amazing church what we are and our community. And we're celebrating those, uh, those uh, generations. But just to get a feel for who's in the room this morning, who would be from the baby boomer generation like me? Let me see you proudly raise your hand. So we are, we are the guys that we were rebelling. By the way, I want to honor anyone here from the greatest generation. Anyone born before 1946 in the room this morning? There we go, Paul. Awesome guy right here. On Friday night, Friday night, actually our loudest, our most, you know, just crazy good service on Friday night, the room was full of our, of our seniors, of our time setters in the room. Okay, so, so the, the baby boomers, you know, we were the ones that, you know, the greatest generation, they, they knew war, you know, the World War II, Korea War, they knew the depression, they, they knew hardship, and they're intensely loyal, patriotic folks, and then they gave birth to us, and then we, last thing we wanted to do was go to war. Anybody, anybody born around 19, graduated around 1970 in this room? Because back then, guess what we had? A draft. The last thing we wanted to do was get drafted. Forget that war. And then we, we were rebellious. We turned up the music. We went from Elvis, Frank Sinatra. Then we went to the Beatles, and we turned up the music big time. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> then we had children. And we, by the way, we, we grew out of that rebunctious stage and we decided, you know what, we need to make some money. So we got really serious about making money and we saw money as status. We really cared about that and we worked long hours to make sure that we had everything we need and for our kids. And our kids grew up and going, the Gen X, any Gen Xers in here, you know, about 1980, born after, you know, they're not age. That, that, this generation here, they saw us working, they go, and what do they call the Gen X generation? Awesome. Slackers. <laughs> they did. We called them that. The boomers called them that. Why? Because they go, you work too much. That's the last thing I want to do, parent, is work like you. So we called you slackers, but actually you weren't. You're great entrepreneurs in, in, in that generation. And you grew up, and, and money was important to you, but it did not rule your life. Freedom and time was way more important to you. And then the millennials in this room, any millennials in this room? Okay, so wait, time out. <laughs> it has to be the biggest group in here, born around 1985 to 2000. Who would be a millennial in this room? Okay, now that's what I'm talking about. Like some of you are going, do I fit that or what? So this is, this is an amazing generation here. The, most of the people in the millennial generation never knew life without an internet, a computer. Most of them never grew up without a phone that was in their hand. Amazing, right? That generation, crazy good generation, created a bunch of stuff along the way, invented a, just an amazing generation. And now, anyone born after 2000, that's the iGen, raise your hand. Come on, let me see who's in this room. Their kids are going, oh, I don't know if I should do this. Might call on me. I might bring you on stage. Hey, who are, let me show, come on, raise your hand, because you know who I'm talking to this morning? The generation we are celebrating this morning is that generation. And it's our responsibility. Now you might be looking at me going, we're talking about that generation. 
I'm not there. I got little kids. I'm not a teenager. I don't have any teenagers. Every one of us in this room are called. By the way, all of us have teenagers around us, and not just teenagers. I'm talking about people in college, our young adults in college. This is an amazing generation that we're all, all called to support and raise. Are you hearing me? All of us. Because you know how crazy important that generation is. Because you know what? Not every generation sees the value in the next generation. And that's really the point of our, serv- uh, of our message this morning. And, and for the next couple of weeks is to make sure that we realize that all of us are to support and embrace and raise every generation. See, my dad, when I grew up, my dad, I went to 12, uh, I'd be a lie, 11 years of Catholic school where all I did was wear the uniform they provided. That was me. In my, in my high school years, I went to an all-boys school. And in my senior year, about two weeks into that, to the senior year, I had a twin brother. I have a twin brother. And I had some friends, and we all got kicked out the very same day of, from high school. I know, right? Me? And by the way, I still, I did not do anything wrong at all. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I did get kicked out. And then I got put into public school. What do you think the first thing I noticed when I went to public school? Girls! Dang right! And by the way, I had to look good. So I had to go out and get some clothes, you know? I mean, I went from uniform, like khaki and white shirt, to I got to have it going. You know what I mean? So I went out. And the other thing in the early 70s, you know what the guys were doing? What do you think the guys were doing in the early 70s? Wearing their hair long. And I started to wear my hair long. And one day, my dad, straight-laced, he was from the greatest generation, I mean straight-laced. He only wore a white shirt and tie his whole life, I swear. That's all I ever saw him in. He freaked out on me, like freaked out. Like, what are you doing? You know, cut your hair. He did not at all in any way even think of experiencing or even getting in in their, his mind, the, the value of supporting the next generation. He saw the, our, my generation as irritants. That's the farthest thing than what we're supposed to do. I love my dad, but that was, that was his, that was a negative, right? And I'm just saying here, the reason we're doing this, car, uh, this series is so that we all, all of us, embrace, especially the next generation coming up. You might not be a, how many here are parents of teenagers and young adults, high school? Uh, Wow, okay, good. Now, I'm not just talking to these folks at all. I'm not just talking to these folks. I'm talking to all of us. But I am coming from a point, I raised, I raised three kids. Can you throw that that picture up? I raised three kids, there they are, right there. Liz, Sarah, and my son, Paul. It's my wife, Deb. We raised these kids. And, you know, our, our high school years and were amazing time because really, to be honest with you, in our home, there wasn't really a major league problem growing up. Now, were my kids perfect? Heavens no. Heavens no. They were, every, every teenager, junior higher and young adult, they're all trying to cut their own way. They're all trying to figure out life. That's a very important time in a child's life is that time because they're trying to figure out what, who am I? Who am I and what am I all about? And you know what else they're trying to figure out is, what do I believe? And we need to come alongside that. Because you know what? By the way, do you know how life is really short? 
Life is really short. And we need one another to help us embrace every facet of life. Our key scripture for this series is found in Psalms. Let me read it for you. Psalms 39 says this. David's talking to us and he says this. Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment. At best, each of us is just about a breath. Can you imagine? Wow, that's like, what? It's kind of depressing right off the bat, don't you think? But anybody that's my age will tell you, life is flying by. Anybody that's, I'm, I'm 64, I can remember, by the way, the guys in, in, in middle school in this room, and we're embracing that, that's what we want to be really focused on, the, the folks of that generation, middle school, high school, and, and college this morning. But I want you to know, if you're young in this room, I know I look old, and I am. Like, I'm probably your grandfather, I get that. But guess what, everybody at my age in this room will tell you one thing, we can remember middle school like it was yesterday our high school spirit experience like it was yesterday. We can tell you the people we dated, the experience we had, good and bad, and we can talk about our college experience like it was yesterday. Life is flying by. And King David is telling us, embrace it and don't waste one moment of this life. Life is fleeting. But again, this morning, my message, and we came up with a message, a title for our message, and it's called this. Check this out. Here's our title. No, that's not the title. <laughs> a force to be reckoned with. That is our title because this generation coming up will be a force to reckon with, especially if we understand that we need to come alongside them and embrace them. Embrace them. It's so important that we realize many of us, we're going through life so fast and we just don't take time to realize we have to embrace this next generation coming up. And how do we do that? How is that important to us? We have to understand just how valuable they are. And by the way, if you're young in this church, I want you to know we absolutely believe in our youth here at Anchor Church. We have made it a priority for the last 34 years to make sure that the youth and young adults of this church have a seat at the table of leadership in this church. That is a fact. We make sure we hire the best people we can to make sure they come along your kids and love on you. But you're, if you're young in this room, I want you to know you're extremely valuable to you. And we are proud of you. We watch you and we're amazed by you. We can't, see what, can't wait to see what God does in you. And I can tell you that. The youth group is a, just crazy. Pastor Anu, I, I, I'm the, I oversee what happens on this campus. So... I measure things just to see, make sure, you know, healthy things grow. And so I'm a kind of a numbers guy. I, I don't obsess over it, but there's one number I want to see every Tuesday in my staff meeting. I, my eyes go right to it every week. And it's not the amount of people that are here on the weekend. It's not the amount of money that might have come in for the offering. One number that comes to mind. And I want to know how many people came to know Jesus in their life or rededicated their life to the Lord. That's the number that matters to me. And every week I look at the youth number. And every week, people, kids are getting saved in this church. Every week. How many people came to the Lord late in life? How many people came late in, in life? How old were you, Paul, when you came to the Lord? 68. 68. That's late. 
So, by the way, so many of us came to, to the Lord late in our lives. Can you imagine how amazing life's going to be when these kids came to know Jesus early in their life? So I want you to know we embrace the youth. By the way, just for the, just for the heck of it, when you know that, that back in the day when we built this property, you know, this is when we came on this campus, I don't know if you've noticed how many rock walls make up this uh, mountain that we built. Literally 90% of those walls were built by the youth group of this church. They used to have contests to see how many uh, keystone blocks they could build on a weekend. That's what they did. They basically says, adults, get out of our way. This is our deal. And so they work with our engineers and our contractors, and they built those walls. They were relentless in what they do. I just want you to know how important it is that we embrace, we embrace this generation because we need to welcome them into our lives. They might not be in your household. They might be your neighbor. They might be your niece and nephew. They might be the person behind the counter, the place that you go to shop. They might be in the same food restaurant that you're in. And I want you to know it's our responsibility, our responsibility to embrace them and seek to understand them. Because they're at a very difficult time in their life, like I said. They are. They're just trying to spread their wings and understand. And by the way, guess what? Anybody in here when, in junior high and high school make a mess of their life along the way? Sometimes we do. We get bruised in life. We make mistakes. We act stupid. We make dumb decisions. By the way, it wasn't our fault at the time. <laughs> it wasn't our fault. We might not have known that biologically. Neuroscience has told us that we're in, in middle school and high school and we're starting our uh, college years. Our brain is not totally wired up yet. All the connections haven't made their connections. So we look at life and that's our frontal lobe, which is basically mature for most of us when we're, when we're you know, 22, 23, 24 years old. Up until then, they're just trying to, the, the connections are being made. And up here is where we make our you know, big, big uh, decisions. We kind of be able to see big plans. We're able to, to handle more than one thing at a time. We're able to discern, you know, if it's really important or not. That's what happens up here. A lot happens in this. So when we're in middle school and high school, those lines are just kind of getting together. So you got to give us a, give them a break, right? Because they see life through a much more emotional way. Every, if you've had junior hires, have they ever said, you can't possibly understand. You've never been there. Anybody heard that one before? How could you? You don't understand me. Trust me, young folks, we have all been there. We have walked in your shoes. We, that was, this is not our first rodeo. We totally get it. And we, but here's the deal. Sometimes we don't allow them to make those mistakes or be that person. And, more, and, and even worse is we kind, of, we kind of ignore them. So I want you to read this, young people. Listen to this. In, in 1 Timothy 4.12, it says, Don't let anyone think less of you because of your youth. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and in the way you love your faith and your purity. Let me just say this. Like I said, around here, youth is super important and we have fostered them. But can I just talk to the folks in this room? I mean, how many folks have kids in the children's church right this moment? You, you, before you came in here, you put children in the children's church. That's many of us. Do not do not allow the youth group 
for sure at Anchor Church or wherever you might find your way, if you PCS out and you've got to go to another church, never allow your children not to be a part of the youth group of the church you're attending. If you make Anchor Church your home, I want you to know you've found a very safe place for your kids to be. I grew, my kids grew up in this church. Youth group was never an option. Not ever an option. It was that what's we, what's we did in my family. My, all my kids played all sports all year round. But guess what sports never did? Tr- sports, and I know I'm going to put your foots back because I know I'm going to step on some of yours right now. Sports never trumped Jesus. Sports never trumped youth group. When there was a retreat or a camp that our, our youth group did, I made sure my kids were there. And I coached most of those teams. And I always told my assistant, I am not being there on these days because this is way more important to me. And even if it was an important game or a match, I made sure my kids were in youth group. I want you to know it's super important. And I have a, you know, one of my dearest friends on the planet, he was raising his three kids at the same time I was raising my three kids. And he'll tell you today, if he was standing here, he would tell you one of the biggest mistakes he made is he allowed sports to become a part of his kid's life more important than God. And he had a real issue with one of his children big time. And I, want you, I just want to encourage you that. Youth group is super important because guess what they're going to be doing? They're going to be hanging around other kids who are getting to know Jesus, exploring their faith, going deeper, having people speak into their life. Are you hearing me? Super important. But I want you to know we have to embrace and seek to understand. And how do we do that? How do we support? Because the vast majority in this room looking at me right now don't really aren't there in that life. Was as far as parenting go. But how do we support the younger generation that we run across every single day? First thing we need to do is we have to learn, have to learn that we need to influence their life by inspiring them to be all that God created them to be. And how do we do that? We speak life into their lives. Sometimes their home lives, you know, it might be really kind of crazy in their home life. No one really in their, maybe their home is really speaking life. Because many times we get in, you know, the, the high school and the middle school kids and the, and the young adults, they're, they're seeing uh, the world and they're, they're not communicating. They're communicating this way and the parents are frustrated and all we do is scream at one another. And we don't really time to really take time to speak life into them. You could, you could meet somebody that's, selling you something over the counter, a young person, that maybe their hair is amazing. You know, here's, here's my philosophy in life, by the way, young people. Here, here, here it is. Now, not everybody has these personalities. I get that. Here's my, here's my philosophy in life, and I tell everyone that walks in this room, they might have this amazing color hair or this amazing dress, or they're, just, they're, they're out there a little bit. And I always go up to them, I go, you look amazing. Man, it's better to be rainbow sherbet than vanilla. It's better to stand out, make a statement than just blend in. Now, I know some, some personalities, that's just the way God wired them to be. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I love it when people are out there. Encourage them, speak life in them. When you see them doing something good, say, yes, that's awesome. Wow, well done. You know, I just recently I was at a store, and the girl was just, it was a summer job for her, 
and she was just learning the whole deal, right? She was in the learning curve. She's like scared to death. The, the boss is like right here hovering, like right there. And you could tell she is really nervous. And I might have been her first or second customer. And I could tell, oh, man, the whole thing was going to go south. And I told her, I said, you look awesome today. And you're going to be amazing. Just a couple days of trying to learn what you're doing. And I could tell that I smile that she gave back to me. I took the air right out of that, uh, that, that nervousness that she had, that fear she was having. I was able to tone that down. Look for those opportunities. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's a kid down the block who you know that if you said, if you spoke in that person's life, if you inspired them to be all that God created to be, it's all that they would need to set them on a course that would take them farther than they ever thought possible. Because maybe in the world they're living in, all they hear is, you're stupid, you're dumb. I remember my dad used to tell me, you're not worth the power to blow you to hell. Now, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) I knew it wasn't good. But see, that's how he interacted with me because I was so much different than the person that he had hoped I would become. But I was just becoming myself. You understand? Speak life into the middle school or high schools, the young adults of the world that you live in, especially those who make Anchor Church their home in the community you live in. Are you hearing me? Super important. Then the next thing you got to do is you got to, re- this is really crazy too, by the way, because in this time of their lives, they're just trying to figure out there's some big questions that they've got to figure out. You know what one of them is? For themselves. Because up till now, they're probably hitchhiking off your faith. And they've got to figure something out here. They've got to figure out for themselves, is there really a God? Is this God thing, this church thing real? They have to get to that themselves. You realize that, right? And these are the questions that they're thinking about, processing. And it's up to us to speak life into that. Are you hearing me? By the way, Jesus loved the youth. God loved the youth. God saw the value in youth. Do you realize that David and Daniel and Joseph were all young, very young, when they were called to do amazing, extraordinary things in their life? Look at the disciples. I I don't know if you know this, but the disciples were all very young when he called them. In the Jewish faith back then, when Jesus was walking the earth, and when those people were growing up, Their education in every home, every home, every child did this back then. At five years old, they started memorizing scripture. Because when they came of age, what did they have to do? They had to recite that. A girl at at 12 and a boy at 13. I know. I know you guys are smarter than us. I totally get that. That went right back. That was much better Friday night. But they had to learn And at age 15, their education came to an end. And everything built up to this age of 15 in a young Jewish man's or girl's life. Because at age 15, all the parents wanted their children to be called by the rabbi to go to his school. And that was really prestigious. Every, put pressure, much like here's how it works today. Every parent in this room wants their kid to go to college and they want them to go to the college of this great college and you're just really helping your child. You gotta pass the SATs, you've gotta study. Some of you have gotten tutors for your kids. You want them to get into school of your choice or their choice, you hear me? And then at age 15, you either got selected or you didn't. You either got the letter, you made it into the college or you didn't. 
And the disciples, by the way, back then, we know for sure because they didn't get into that school. They were passed over. They were not handpicked because if you didn't get into that school, then you were forced to go into the labor. And most of the people just followed in their parents' footsteps. Maybe their, uh, maybe their parents' business, like we see in the Bible. We know that two of them came to, came to be followed, followed Jesus when they were listening to John the Baptist. And then they, Jesus says, hey, you want to really see what's going on? Come follow me. And they did. Other place, just in, in, the, in the gospel, it says he was walking along the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers working their nets, catching fists. He says, come with me. I want to show you something. And a little later, down the road, a little farther, he saw another set of brothers, James and John. And he said to them, hey, come follow me. So we know for sure that these kids were probably around 16, 17 years old. We know that one of them, Peter, was married because we see that Jesus wanted to heal his mother-in-law. It says that. And in, Jewish, in the Jewish culture back then, at 18, the parents usually found you a wife. But we know for sure that these kids that he was calling to come follow him, to change the world, do an extraordinary thing, were very young. He believed in them big time. And he knew that if he get around them and pour into them, they would become the people who literally changed the world. Are you hearing me? God believed in the youth of that time. And I want you to know it's our responsibility to carry that same passion that Jesus had for the youth to the youth of today. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. And here's what you have to understand. You have to understand this. We have to learn to listen to them. Super important that we learn to listen to them. Seek to understand them. It's so crazy important. Create opportunities for you to literally look them in the eye, even though they look completely different from you. And I know sometimes we're completely intimidated by them, sometimes. But I want you to know this is really important that we seek to understand them. We let them talk and we hold back. The word even says, the word says in James, it says in, in James that we're to slow to speak, slow to speak, and slow to anger and quick to listen. You understand that? Really got to do that. And by the way, create environments where you can speak into kids' life. These are, I'm talking about maybe they're, they're your kids, but maybe they're complete strangers to you. And you could just speak into them by listening to them. Are, are you hearing me? Create environments. Create environments. Many of you are young, family, uh, young parents in here. I'm just going to give you, I'm a parent. I've done a couple of things right and a bunch of things wrong. Let me give you a couple of things I did super right. By God's grace, not by my, mine or Deb's grace. But we started very young, very young, we started family night. And the reason we did it is because we wanted to create an, an environment. And by the way, family night has to be fun. It has to be fun. You have to create that. Create an environment where it's fun. Anyone, any youth is going to want to come to something fun. And if you feed them, which is important about that, they're coming. Are you hearing me? But create an environment. If you keep them really young, then when they get the teenage years and then they start pulling away from you, and whether they will start pulling away from you, because when you're a teenager and you're a young adult, friends have way more, way more authority and effect on their life than you do, parent. There was a study that the, uh, the Family Research Center did for Focus on the Family, and they, in they interviewed 100 parent families, 100 families, and they asked the parents, scale, scale of one to 10, how much do you know and how much does your, your kids share to you about their life? And the parents, what do you think they said? Eight. Eight or nine. Ask the same kids of that same family. Scale one to ten. How much do your parents know? What do you think the answer was? Three. 
Bottom line, kids are very smart. I only tell my parents what they need to know. That's, that's a fact. Kids are, you know, note to self, the last time I said something even remotely like that, or I heard my brother say something like that, or I heard that person say that, and that, my, that reaction my parents gave, note to self, don't say that. They're smart. So you have to create open lines of communication because when they get that age, drama's happening, man. They're going to bruise themselves along the way. They're going to be hurt terribly, and they're going to need someone to speak in their life. And guess who it's got to be? It has to be someone who loves them, who loves Jesus and speaks their life. Otherwise, their friends will. And you don't know, know you know, don't know what's going to happen if you don't speak in their life. By the way, I, I try to date my kids. By the way, my wife and I took each child out, uh, not regularly, but you know, quarterly, and had, we did the you know, like dressed up big deal, because I wanted to teach my kids how they would be treated when they went out with a boy or a girl. Right, Mike? My son-in-law is right here. Amazing guy. I have, my kids married right. I, I love my kids dearly, but my, they marry great, and I love, we still have family night tonight, we'll have family night, and the, the, the Mikey and Trevor and, uh, and Bree will be over their, their, their spouses, and my grandkids, six grandkids, I, I, and by the way, and Mike probably knows this, but I'm going to leave it a little secret, I listen the whole night, and I'm trying to figure out where my, where it might need to be prayed for, where are, Where's kind of the loose ends that I can see in my family that might need extra little prayer? What's happening in their life? Because they'll talk to one another more than, than anything. I can hear them talking to one another. And I pick up really, I'm, I'm, I'm picking it up. Because what do I have? I have prayer. And can I just say that for all of us? We have to listen to them. We have to pray for them. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for the kid that wait, waited you at the store or, the, or, or waited you on the restaurant. Pray for that kid. They're in a a vulnerable time in their life that needs God to do something amazing. Are you hearing me? Pray for them. Because, like I said, they're, they're wrestling with issues. Like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Or, who am I? What is it that I like and I don't like? And when they get God's influence in their life and not their friends, how many in this room went to college and got a degree and are not using that degree today? Many of us in this room, young folks, including me, we didn't take the time to really, uh, that looks good, let's do it. I'm of the opinion right now in my life and, 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 and where I am as a pastor, because I'm here, I, I love encouraging. I love encouraging. So I want to make sure I can inspire those kids to really think about what I want to do. What, what, what is that in my life that I would be good at? So they start now to work towards that. Pray for them, gang. Pray for them. And I want you to know it's super, really important that you learn to have patience and grace with this generation. Patience. Because they're not like us. Each culture grows up with its own set of values. By the way, if you're my age, tattoos were not a part of your life. It wasn't a part of your deal. Even, in fact, you probably look down on people who had them. And they're usually military guys. The sailors had a little this and that when I grew up. Today in this culture... Tattoos are beautiful, they're amazing, and it's a part of the culture. I have a friend, he does not accept it. In fact, when Pastor Nick came up here and stood on the stage for the very first time, he freaked out, my kid's out of here, I'm not allowing that to, 
to influence my, my kid. I go, it's a tattoo. He's a godly man. Tattoo. Is that bothering you? How are you going to live? I mean, the millennials have, I mean, 56% of millennials have tattoos. How are you, you going to go into it? No, you have to embrace it. But you have to have patience. Patience with this generation and grace. When I was uh, 15, my, uh, my parents had declared that they're going to go to this wedding and they're going to be gone all day. And I was with, it was early in the morning and I was with my friend Bill. And they left and Bill and I go, hey, what are we going to do today? Let's go up to the bowling alley and check out the girls. Excellent. How are we going to get there? Well, we can walk. It was a long walk. And, and all of a sudden, this, you know, my mind was really racing. And I'm thinking, hey, let's take the car. I had no license. Let's take the car. And then, by the way, it wasn't just any car. It was my dad's Sunday car. You guys are too young to understand. But back then, those generations, they kept one car that was their car. Like when they drove it, everybody looked at him. Wow, look at that car. He had a 57 Chevy, pristine, beautiful car. So nice guy that I was. Bill, let me, let me, let's drive up there. We'll really show the girls we're somebody. So we take the cover off the car. It was in the garage with a cover on it. That's how important that car was, right? Drive it up there. I come back. I get a little freaked out. I wrecked the car. My, my driveway had two pillars. I got freaked out. I hit, got too close to the pillar, and I hit it. But instead of stopping, I just kept going. You get the picture. I'm freaking out, like freaking out. It's a Saturday. We put everything back just the way we found it, put the cover on it, all the box around it. So the next day is Sunday, and I grew up in a Catholic church where you had to go to church. So... Of course, and now I really want to go to church. God, save me. I go to church. I walk back home. It wasn't too far. I walk back home. I turn the, right by that pillar. I turn the corner. My dad's washing the car. Oh, freaked out big time now. What am I going to do? You know, ever, ever did something in your life and you knew like, I'm going to die here? This, this is death. I was there. So I go around and I go through my neighbor's yard, jump some fences, and I sneak into the house in the back door my heart's racing. My mind's not thinking. I race over, get in the house, and I hear my dad and mom arguing because my dad is blaming my mom for taking the car shopping, and she did, got sideswiped and didn't realize it. And I'm thinking, dang, I can get away with this. I'm going to live. Yes, that's it. One problem. My mom saw me. She looked right at me. Right at me like a mom looking look at you. Only like a mom can look at you. Robert, I am not taking your fall. Own up to this responsibility. Freaking out. By the way, when I was nine, I had no, you know, when you're a teenager, you're young, you start learning the words, you know, the your words and the, and, the, and the different things you can do to tell people what you think without saying it. Well, when I was nine, I flipped my dad off. Long story, I won't tell you now. I didn't even know what it meant. But he caught me, and he beat me. Like, fists beat me. Bam! Like, beat me. So that's, that was my dad. Old school. Right there. So I'm thinking, well, if I got beat for that, I'm about to die. <laughs> so I walk out of that. I can, like, I, like I'm sitting here right now, all those years later, I walked out of this door. There's a screen door. I heard it bang. 
like only a wooden screen door can, I looked at my dad. I'm, this time I'm getting pretty emotional. I said, Dad, I did that. And I kind of braced myself head down thinking, I'm going to get it right now. And he came up to me and hugged me. And he only hugged me a couple times his whole life. He bear hugged me. He says, Robert, I forgive you. I forgive you for that. I had to pay for the car. There was consequences for sure. I worked a long, many years and had to pay for that car to get fixed. And I had to take care of that responsibility. But I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, maybe your kids, your next door neighbor, somebody that you see, you realize, I need to show grace to this child. I need to hug this kid. I need to know that he matters and that he's cared for and he's loved. That's our responsibility to this generation. Are you hearing me? And we have to be examples to them. We have to be examples to this generation. They have to see us. This is what it says. In Titus 2, 6 through 8, it says this. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Parents, neighbors, make sure that your yes is yes. And don't live life for do as I say, not as I do. But live life by what you do because they're watching. It says this, teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will, not, will be ashamed and have nothing to say about us. In, in this generation that I'm speaking of today, integrity matters to this generation. They judge you and respect you because they believe that what you say is true and not fake. That drives this tr the generation I'm speaking of right now. Did you hear me? Very important to understand what drives generations. This generation is driven by integrity. They want to know what you do is for real. And I have just told you something really important that you cannot forget. You can forget everything else I say, but when you interact with a young person today, you have to understand they want to see truth. They want to see. They can handle the truth, by the way. They can handle, you can talk straight to them. You don't have to tell them what they want to hear. You, you, can, you need to tell them what they need to hear for sure. But they can handle that as long as it's done in love and it has the truth. Are you hearing me? And I want you to know you can learn from them. Sometimes we see the next generation, they got nah, a bunch of idiot kids. What the heck? I was, I was driving my, uh, a friend and I were driving uh, the other day I was helping him and we're driving this guy comes up and the, these two young guys are coming in this blue truck and the bass they had that thing turned full blast like the bass was shaking my car like and this and my friend and I, he's a great guy but he, he reacted so negatively to that to that thing and I said wow you must not want to have been with me when I was a kid because remember the song I played at the beginning that thing was full blast and I didn't care who heard it because I thought everyone should hear that song. Like these two guys, they thought everyone should, they, everyone should be experiencing and appreciating the music they were playing that day. You have to embrace that, find grace and understand. Just try to seek to understand them because they're smart. This generation I'm talking about, they are creative people and you can learn from them. There isn't anybody my age in this room that has a computer or a phone that, that didn't give them to their grandkids or kids to fix. They know what the heck's going on. We have no idea. They're smart. Embrace them. Learn from them. 
Are you hearing me? Learn from them. Don't just walk by them. Engage them. I don't care if you're at the mall. I don't care where you're at. Embrace. Look, don't just walk by them. Smile at them. Because when you smile at them, it tells them they're valued. Here's the bottom line, gang. Our responsibility as the older generation in this room is to inspire them to greatness. Inspire them to greatness. To allow their dreams and their passions to come to fruition. And it's our support and our encouragement that will ignite those dreams to go places that they never even dreamed possible themselves within them. The word says in Psalm 139, excuse me, in, in Ephesians, the third chapter, it says they will accomplish infinitely more than ever gave her, dare, dream, ask, or hope. And in Psalm 139, it says that every day is laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. You know what it just said there? It said that God wrote their script. And it's our responsibility to allow them to not make the right when God wanted to make the left. To encourage them to be all that they could be. So as we get through this generation series, I want you know, our responsibility is to support that gen- those generations coming up behind us. Are you hearing me? Let's pray. Lord. We are honored to be living in this time right now. As crazy as this world is, as dangerous as this world is, it's still an amazing, beautiful, um, extraordinary land that we live. And the people that you graced us with, the gifts that you give us in our family and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers, they're gifts from you, Lord, as we do life together, Lord. I pray that we all would embrace each other like never before, Lord, that we would seek to understand and love no matter what generation from, no matter how different we see the world, no matter how we look on the inside or the outside, Lord, that we would embrace and see the value and see them through your eyes, Jesus, your eyes, and allow us to always be a person who ignites love, who speaks life and not death. And I pray these things. And no matter, maybe you're in this room and you, you have no children. You're, maybe those, those kids aren't even in, in your world. But I pray that you, Lord, you would handpick, handpick, just like you handpicked those disciples, you would handpick youth and young adults to come beside you, those people in this room, to be able to encourage and inspire. And I pray that in Jesus' precious name. We all said... Amen. Let me pray one more prayer because we're a church and we want you to come to know Jesus. And you might have come in this room today with the hopes of actually saying, Jesus, come into my heart. And I want to give you an opportunity if that's you right now. If you've never come to understand the saving grace of Jesus, of what he did on the cross to die for you, to forgive your sins, the word says that you need to ask him into your life. He's knocking on your heart right now, but there's a transaction that has to be made. You have to be He's not going to come flying in without being invited. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to invite Jesus and his Holy Spirit to come and live with inside you and change you from the inside out. If you've never done that, I'd like to get the honor to praying with you. So I'm going to count to three. If you'd like to pray with me, I want to know who's praying. I want you to just raise your hand. I know who's going to be praying with me, and then we'll pray together. So you ready? One, two, three. Three, raise your hand right now if that's you. I see you. It's excellent. I see you. Excellent. Raise your hand. Yes, I see you. I see you there. If you're on the courtyard, I, I can't see you, but I know God's seeing their staff out there that will see you. If you're in the children, uh, family zone, I know you're, God sees you. So pray with me right now. Hitchhike off my words. 
pray in your breath, just follow me. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgiving, forgive me for doing my thing my way without even acknowledging you, Lord. And, but now I want to acknowledge you and I acknowledge that you died for my sins on the cross, that you died for me, Lord, that you paid the price for me. And Lord, I pray right now for these folks that they would tangibly feel your embrace right now. David, you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would, the person that came up that driveway this morning, the person that goes back down it would be complete, two be completely people, different people because of your grace and mercy. You just showed them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome to be with you this morning. 